So is it good or bad to be skeptical? The answer to that question is yes. Right? There are times when it is good, necessary to be skeptical, and then there are other times when we need to believe what doesn't really seem to be possible. For instance, you receive a a phone call from someone you don't know and they inform you that you have, they have great financial news for you. You've inherited a great deal of money and all they need first is a little bit of information. You need to provide them with your social security number, a major credit card number, and your bank account number. That's all. At that moment, is it good or bad to be skeptical? It's good to be skeptical in that case. But then, you know, what, what about months ago, you, you, you bought a ticket to, uh, to win a $10,000 shopping spree. And this was, this was even before Halloween. So you really, you did it to support the charity that, that was seeking your support. And now months later, out of the blue, you get a phone call informing you that you've won the contest. You don't even remember signing up, but naturally you're skeptical. And then you, you wonder, is this just another scam? But then you remember, wait, there is a ticket lying in my sock drawer, and you go and pull it out and you check it out, and sure enough, it's the winning number. It's good news, right? Seemed too good to be true at first, but it was. Well, every year around Christmas time, we hear the story of Jesus' birth, a story that we'll hear many times. I wonder how many I've already heard it or read it this year. And I wonder for you how many times it would be. I mean, it's, it's totally a familiar story, isn't it? Totally familiar. And yet, unbelievable too. Just remarkable. I mean, the truth is there are a number of things about the story that are, that are nothing less than incredible. I mean, should you believe them or should you be skeptical? The Bible tells us that the birth of Christ was something that was planned even before the world was created. Do you believe that? Huh? <laughs> he chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1. Scripture tells us that that little infant lying in a manger was actually God who'd come in human flesh. What what an outrageous claim that God would come down to earth in human flesh. Hard to believe, isn't it? Oh, and then there's that claim that Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus. I mean, according to the Bible, Mary had never been with a man and yet she gets pregnant And then she gives birth to a son, and it's God's son. (laughs) The truth is, if you're not ready to believe the humanly impossible, then you're really not ready to celebrate Christmas. Because Christmas, with all of its seeming impossibilities, is, as one songwriter put it, the glorious impossible. It's the truth that brings salvation to us. This morning I want us to consider the birth of Christ from Joseph's point of view. We're going to look at how Joseph 
not at first, but eventually believed the impossible. We're going to see how God blessed Joseph for his faith. We're going to see how these human ble- or these blessings can come to us as Christians in our day as we lay hold of the amazing claims and the humanly impossible promises of God. Here's the account from Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's what occurred at Christmas time. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph was a carpenter, a common laborer. He lived in a small, inconsequential town called Nazareth. He was engaged to a young woman named Mary. And I'm sure that that was a special time for him as he prepared for that marriage. Now, in that culture, engagement meant considerably more than engagement does in our day. Back then, once you were engaged, you were legally bound to your fiancé. You still would have to go through the ceremony before you uh, started living together. But once you were engaged, that was it. Legally, you were considered married. And it took a writ of divorce to break an engagement in Jesus' day. Now, I think Joseph was a pretty happy man as these things began to occur. I think all his plans were coming together nicely. I don't know that it was an arranged marriage. I I honestly, in my own heart and mind, think it was a, a relationship that built between a man and a woman. Love developed, love grew, and that he proposed to her because he truly did love her. And then, then things began to unravel. And, uh, very unexpectedly, very, very dramatically. And his plans also quickly began to unravel. Uh, Mary started acting strangely. She seemed kind of nervous and excited. And one day she took off to visit one of her relatives, Elizabeth, who was pregnant with the man we will know from Scripture as John the Baptizer. Mary spent several months with Elizabeth before finally returning to Nazareth. And I think she probably enjoyed her time there. And I don't think she was real excited about coming back home. 
when she did. She looked like she was pregnant. And I don't know if he confronted her or if she just fessed up, but she told him the most incredible story about how an angel had visited her, about how God the Holy Spirit had caused her to conceive, about how she had she already knew the sex of the baby and you know they didn't have ultrasounds back then. So pretty unusual. About how this boy was to be given the name Jesus, which means Savior, because he would be the long-awaited Savior, the Messiah. And because he was the Son of God, the prophecy would come to pass that he was Emmanuel. Joseph didn't believe Mary's story. She leaves, comes back pregnant. Her explanation is that she's going to have the Messiah, that God is the Father. Hmm. Now the Bible describes Joseph as a righteous man, but he didn't believe that story. He wasn't that gullible. And yet he loved her. So what's he going to do? Do you know that legally he could have had her stoned? But he chose not to do that. He didn't want to make a public public example out of this woman that I believe he really loved. So he decided he would file the paperwork and divorce her quietly. Now, ask yourself this question. And I know we're so used to this story. There's no mystery here. But but try to put yourself in 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 that man's shoes. I mean. If you were Joseph, would you have believed Mary? Would you? An incredible story. I mean, he's supposed to believe that a virgin is pregnant. That God the Holy Spirit is the Father. That she's carrying a child who is nonetheless, or nothing less than the Messiah. And I'm Mickey Mantle. Wow, what a story. And so Joseph rejected Mary's explanation, not, I don't think, because he didn't want to believe her, but because her explanation of things just seemed to be hopelessly impossible. Then one night, Matthew tells us that an angel from God appeared to Joseph in a dream and said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In other words, her story is true. She hadn't been with another man. God, the Holy Spirit, truly was the Father. Then the angel confirmed Mary's story even further. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, which means Savior. Well, Joseph recalled all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet God had talked about a virgin birth some 700 years earlier through the prophet Isaiah when he wrote, The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It was all true. 
And Joseph needed this visit from the angel. I, I wonder at first if uh, that visit seemed, excuse me, seemed to only complicate things further. I mean, he gets all of this news in a vision, in a dream. Can I trust this experience as real as it all seems? Well, we're told that Joseph believed. He did what the angel told him to do. He married Mary right away. And the story doesn't end there. You marry a pregnant woman and then just a few months later, because of the Roman emperor, you find yourself forced to take a trip about 80 miles worth to his ancestral home of Bethlehem. And there, your wife gives birth. Sure enough, it's a boy. And Joseph becomes the stepfather, the stepfather to the Son of God. See, Joseph became someone who believed the humanly impossible. And to this day, Everyone remembers Joseph on Christmas Eve. He's a hero. This Joseph who believed in God's impossible promises. And in many ways, each of us is in the same position as Joseph was. Oh, we're not going to father the child, no. But we are called to accept that God had carefully devised a plan for our salvation even before he created you and me. I did woodworking for 30-some years. If you'd have told me before I started a project, let's say I was building a hutch, if you'd have told me before I started building that that piece would not turn out, guess what I wouldn't do? I wouldn't build the hutch. Aren't you glad I'm not God? And yet we are called to accept that God had carefully devised this plan for our salvation and he had no plan B. The child born was born to a woman who was truly a virgin. To us a child is born. To us a son is given. While that that gift was given there in the manger, or in the stable I should say, and and that little infant was laid in a, in a manger. I wonder if they had clean hay for him. It was all true. It was all true. This helpless baby lying in the manger is indeed the Savior of mankind. And he would grow up and live a sinless life. He would die as, as, as an innocent person, yet he who knew no sin became sin on your behalf and mine, that we might be redeemed to God. He died and then he rose again on the third day to provide the proof of forgiveness of sins, adoption into the family of God and eternal life as God's gift to us. See, that's that's Christianity, isn't it? 
The essence of Christianity is to believe the humanly impossible. To believe that God is, is remarkably involved with that, that he is remarkably committed to mankind. That the virgin does give birth to a child and that, that believing this helpless infant is indeed the Son of God. And to believe that this child, this one alone, takes away the sin of the world. That's Christianity. Believing the impossible. So I ask you today, do you believe? Do you believe? Are you ready for Christmas? You are if you believe. And you know, there's something else that strikes me about this. I, I struggled with doubts for many years. I, I always wanted to be able to find proof. There's no proof for this. It's just a fact. And, and what a freeing thing it was to come to that place, and it was by God's grace alone, to just be able to believe the humanly impossible. And to be able to share that news with others and not to have anything on the line. See, I don't have anything on the line as I share with you this morning. This is God's plan. This reality of which I speak is the way God provides salvation for you and for me. And I can share it without fear that you're going to prove me wrong because it doesn't matter. I'm not, I don't enter into the equation. I'm called to be a witness. And you know what? That's true for each and every one of us who believes, isn't it? To believe that which is impossible by the remarkable supernatural grace of God through that gift of faith that he would give us and to be able to tell others and if they say, it can't happen. And I would say, you're right. Humanly speaking, it can't happen. But here's the thing. It did. It did. And it's true. And it's true for you just as it's true for me. Here is where God will give us the same thing that he did to Joseph, that gift of faith. And this is what God desires to give to each of us. That ability supernaturally given to trust in the humanly impossible promises of Christmas. That's faith. That's what God offers to you and to me even here this morning through his word. May God be with you this Christmas. May he give you the same heart that he gave to Joseph. A heart to believe those things that seem too good to be true and yet truly are. Because then you're ready for Christmas. Then you're ready to welcome the Christ child, God's gift to Joseph, to Mary, me, and to all. Amen. Lord, thank you. All of this is, is humanly impossible. We, we understand that. We can't explain this. We can't put it into scientific terms, but you give us the gift of faith to believe for ourselves and you give us the excitement of faith to want to share that message with others. And then it's your job to do the, the convincing, the convicting, the converting. 
And I'm glad that you left it that way because you get it right. And so, Lord, grant us the gift again this year to believe that which is humanly impossible. May it become the glorious impossible for us, the greatest reality of our lives, that which enables us to truly celebrate the Christmas event. We pray this in Jesus' name and with great gratitude. Amen.